0: This is season nine, episode nine, and we're coming 99. to you today from Columbus, Ohio, home of Jerry Mock, first woman to fly solo around the world. Wow, that's news to me. In 1964, took her nine days before she landed safely back here in columbus wow and she's on our ninth episode of our ninth season
1: it took her nine days you're you just think there's so much terry
0: i wish i had thought through that and could <laughs> claim brilliance but i did not i'm still terry church ministries leader for the alliance and I, i'm still alan director of development in eastern pa and uh, today alan we're going to talk about uh some uh evangelism Cohorts, yeah. Be sure I can't wait for this conversation. You've been working with with, and uh, I should say that uh, Isaac and Andy are here with us as always, a steady presence in season nine. We are glad for their technical assistance. So uh, you can imagine in my role that I get a lot of appeals for. I bet you do evangelism programs, most of which I think, eh, that might be good, but it just doesn't feel right for this time and for our movement, but when I was introduced to the uh, uh, these evangelism cohorts, Church Evangelism Institute, it's called, by Rick Richardson, immediately it resonated with my heart yep. as being something that could be helpful uh, to our movement, and uh, Alan happened to be at the same time you guys were looking in Eastern PA for something that could lift the the level of evangelism and disciple making in uh, your churches, mm-hmm. and so uh, we launched this pilot project. Tell us a little bit about how that's gone. Yeah, uh, church evangelism cohorts from the
1: Church Evangelism Institute have been really helpful in our district. We've run; we're just just finished up our, our first two year cohort, uh, and it's it's not a program. Uh, it's not just training. It's aiming to change the whole culture of the congregation. So the lead pastor has to be involved. Uh, And the idea is to really, in a sense, to make evangelism normal in churches. Uh, I would say that that is very rare in any of our churches to find a place where evangelism is normal. And uh, so Church Evangelism Institute has put together these cohorts under Rick's leadership to um, help churches first start with the pastor actually modeling it. So he's not just leading people to Jesus because they came forward after a sermon or because he did a funeral, but like he's engaged with his friends and relatives uh, you know acquaintance neighbors and co-workers and then he recruits a missional influence leader to be kind of his partner in that and they seek to spread it out to a third level of their ministry leaders and then they seek to spread it through their Ministries um just infusing that gospel passion in there uh, and to actually over a period of two years get some real traction and changing the culture of their congregation and, and it works to be honest I, I don't mean it works just because the program works like it it creates a hunger As we work through the things together, it creates a a longing that actually feeds prayer for the lost, that lifts our eyes to the harvest. So it's not like the cohort works. It's just like the cohort helps turn our eyes towards the things that matter to Jesus. And uh, I've been really encouraged by it. And I'm excited that our two guests we have on for this episode today have been part of that first cohort, and they're going to be helping me uh, in uh, launching another cohort uh, and
0: being assistant coaches with me. Fantastic. These two guys are good friends and ministry colleagues that Alan and I have worked with yeah. for years. We've uh, watched them pastor their church as well, Amen. and they've served with us on district executive committees, and uh, just two great guys, uh, Josh Grimes, pastor in Lockhaven, Pennsylvania, Aaron Henning, pastor in State College, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, maybe what, half an hour apart? Yeah, half hour, 40 minutes. From yep. one another, and uh, so grab yourself some kickapoo joy juice what in the world is that uh well contrary to what it may sound like it's a soft drink that is citrus citrus flavor okay and uh, made by monarch beverage company so grab yourself a kickapoo joy juice sit back relax here we go And we're pleased to welcome our good friends, Josh Grimes and Aaron Henning, to Equipping You Podcast. Welcome, guys. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. Good to be with you.
2: Hey, same here.
0: So, uh, we like to help our listeners get to know our guests uh, a little bit. So, uh, we'd like for both of you to tell us how you came to faith in Christ, your call to ministry, tell us a little about your family, just uh, introduce yourselves, if you would. Sure.
2: So, I'm Josh. I uh, grew up in an Alliance home. My dad has been an Alliance pastor for as long as I can remember. And uh, my parents tell me that I came to Christ when I was three years old at a dining room table. Wow. I do not remember wow. that. I can never remember a time when I didn't love Jesus, to be honest. And so growing up, I sensed to call the missions earlier. I wanted to be a missionary pilot. Parents would le- read me stories of guys like Nate Saint and Jim Elliott. And yeah. That's, yeah. What I, that's where I wanted to go, um, but began to have some opportunity for ministry. When I was in my You know, early 20s, and God pivoted that to a call to being a pastor. In fact, I, I, Aaron and I met each other when I was still in my high school years. I was in Bible quizzing, and he was just a a young youth pastor at the time. Yeah. Oh, my kids, my kids, I've got, I've got, I've got a wife named Sarah, and uh, we have three kids, Ava, Isaac, and Piper. Good kids, all, and a good wife. Yeah, they are. How about you, Aaron? Um,
3: So, uh, I can tell a little bit of my story. Um, I just I remember actually the first time that I prayed uh, to ask Christ into my life. I was pretty young. I was probably about six years old, and um, I had heard uh, a lesson in church that was taught by my mom, and she was talking about the fact that God doesn't have grandchildren. That you know we have to all make a decision for Christ and. I realized I got home that day after church and was just sort of sitting in my bedroom. And there was kind of a, a holy moment of realization that, like, I've never made a commitment to to Christ. And so uh, I prayed by myself and I asked Jesus to come into my life. And so that was kind of my first memory uh, of wow. that and uh, had sort of a circuitous route to ministry, you know, went, went through kind of typical high school things. I went to Penn State University, which was not like a typical ministry route necessarily. Not really? Not uh, surprising. Uh, yeah, surprising. Um, but God uh, really got a hold of my life, especially in my college years. And, uh, and it was sort of through that season that I made a commitment. I, my wife and I, Amy uh, had started dating and we were thinking about what God had for us after school. And uh, ended up taking a, a role with uh, CMA Church uh, to do some youth ministry. And that was actually where I ran into cool people like Josh, uh, who was still <laughs> a student at the time. And uh, so it's funny how our story goes back uh, in some of those ways. I never ways. knew that about you. I didn't either. Yeah. And then, uh, so after that, really, we cut our teeth in ministry in campus ministry. So Amy and I did campus ministry for 11 years at, at back at Penn State University. And uh, okay. that was a huge, huge blessing to us. And uh, that's kind of how we kind of got where we are. I'm now the lead pastor at State College Alliance Church. And um, we have two boys, uh, Grant and Max. Grant's 15 and Max is 12. And um, yeah, that's a little bit about us and our
1: our family. Hard to believe those boys are that old. It happens. You know, Josh, hearing your story, I never put it together. Your desire to be a missionary pilot. And now you are in the home of Piper Aircraft.
0: That's pretty cool. It is pretty
1: cool. That is a God is kind of good like that, right? I love how, Aaron, your story included a holy moment with God for kids. I love that God gives holy moments to kids. Amen. Josh, he's kind of in an odd kind of way. He's brought back, you know, your connection to aircraft. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. But you guys have had very different paths in ministry, even though they intersected while Josh was still a teenager. But tell us about your paths in ministry and uh, and your current ministry settings. Okay. Josh, do you want to kick off?
2: Yeah, you bet. So um, I'm 21, and I sense that Jesus wants me to be uh, in ministry of some sort. I think it's local pastoring, but I'm broke. I have no money. so That qualifies I hear, you. That's right. It qualifies me. I hear about this thing that the Christian Missionary Alliance has called the Ministerial Study Program, and that seemed like an inexpensive way for me to figure out if this is really what God has for me. And so I entered into that two-year class, and nine years later, I completed it. <laughs> um, and uh so when I was 23 then I was appointed to be the pastor of a little church in uh, about 15 people in Alliance Church in Lock Haven Pennsylvania. Pastored there for about a year, I had just gotten married and it was a it was a hard year of ministry. And at the end of that I remember thinking like if this is what I'm going to do with my life, it can't really look like this cuz I'm I don't think I'm cut out for this but there had been a a shift in our hearts in the way that we saw our city. We really loved Lock Haven and we felt like God still wanted us to do ministry here. And so we worked with our district and we ended up replanting our church in a, uh, we opened a a coffee house in our town, a for-profit business, and then started having church in that and uh, opened a coffee roasting business later on. And now we just planted another congregation. So our, our vision is to start simple, Nimble churches uh, with bivocational pastors in common places where people are already gathering. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um,
3: So, yeah, my calling to ministry was a little different uh, just in that I didn't know that that's what God had for me. So I was studying education at Penn State, thinking I would be in the classroom. I I actually really loved teaching. As I graduated, I had an opportunity to help with a youth group where we had Amy and I had both done some volunteering at the Huntingdon Alliance Church. And uh, the lead pastor there, we were friends with him and and had a connection with him. And so I ended up stepping into a ministry role, serving with, with him. And that was sort of a kind of toe in the water sort of thing. I didn't have really any idea what I was getting myself into in terms of ministry. Uh, Josh grew up in a ministry family. I did not, uh, though our family was certainly very involved in church, the church. We were not a, a ministry family. So, I was kind of uh, learning a lot of the ropes there. And it was it was during the, uh, in, in 2000, uh, 2001, we went uh, back to Penn State University to lead Alliance Christian Fellowship. And that was really what I saw as a very, very formative season for both me and Amy. We were just learning so much. And, um, and that was the time that we really just were cutting our teeth in a lot of things in ministry. And we saw God doing some some great things. It was just a great group to be a part of. So we did that for 11 years. Uh, our current ministry setting is actually with the lead. Uh, I'm the lead pastor at the church where I used to be on staff in the campus ministry. So uh, Dave Jansen had been the the lead pastor here before me. And so when he moved on to do some district ministry work, uh, the church asked me to come into the lead role. So I've been there for the better part of uh, 10 years now, 10 and a half years. And so that's what that's what we're doing. And it's a little bit more of a traditional uh, church setting, but it's a wonderful place. It's multi-generational. We love the fact that we've got people well into their 90s, and we've got little babies, and we've got everything in between. And so uh, we
1: love the joys and the challenges of of pastoring a multi-generational church. Yeah. You well, know, it's uh, it's interesting. I think this is the first time that we actually have the pastor of a previous guest on here because you were spent sweetings, Pastor for yeah, a while. Today, right? Yeah, yeah. So there, there we, we go. go. First we time go. ever on uh, equipping you. Connections. Yeah, awesome. So, connections.
3: We love Spencer and that whole crew. I mean, they were just incredible leaders that came through our campus ministry. Uh, we just saw God's hand on them in some incredible ways. And we're proud of the great work that they're doing now looking across the, the country and seeing different people you know, that God's called to ministry. And that's a real thing that we're very, very proud of.
0: Yeah, you, you said the Penn State wasn't necessarily a a normal route to ministry, but increasingly it, it has become that and produced some uh, great workers for the uh, Alliance. Really appreciate the campus ministry there and the Ministry of State College Alliance Church. And, and uh, Josh That's has awesome. that same kind of opportunity in working with college students in uh, Lock Haven. So Josh, very clear that you guys have had... Uh, different paths in ministry. You currently serve in different uh, kinds of ministry settings. Now you both have something new in common. So uh, tell us what you and Aaron have been up to together over the last couple of years.
2: Yeah, um, for the last two years, uh, Aaron and I
0: have been involved
2: in this cohort of pastors within our district, and we have been committed to making evangelism normal in our churches. It's an initiative through the Billy Graham Institute. And so we've been hard at work, changing the culture of our congregations. Fantastic. And Aaron, uh,
1: this this cohort you guys are part of, what made you wanna be part of it in the first place? And then how's it been helpful to State College Alliance?
3: Yeah, it's been awesome, uh, and I'm I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share. Um, it's been great to work with other pastors like Josh. Uh, I love uh, connecting with him, and every time we we get the chance to to connect, it's a huge blessing. But the the cohort itself really came out of an invitation. You know, when Alan had approached, when you had approached me, Alan, and said, "This is something that you would have interest in." I was at a place, and and still am to some extent, but I, I was definitely at a place of what I would call a holy discontent, you know, looking at the scope of our ministry. I love our church. I love our church family, but feeling like we're not reaching the potential that God has for us in terms of outreach and evangelism. And so, just again, that holy discontent, when I heard about the Billy Graham Institute and this church evangelism, Uh, opportunity, I said, Hey, this is something I think we really could grow in. And so we just started jumping in. And um, it's been a it's been a huge blessing to be a part of. I mean, it really has been shaping uh, culture. And Josh, you'd use the phrase culture. um, Early on, uh, they talked about the fact that culture eats strategy for breakfast, you know, and that I think is, has been really true, that you can make all kinds of strategies, but if you don't have a culture of evangelism, you're not going to see people coming uh, to new faith in Christ. And so that's what we continue to pray for. We're not there yet, uh, but we've seen some really good steps in the direction that we've been taking as a church family.
0: So Josh, basically the same question. What What made you want to be part of this evangelism cohort? And how have you seen it already being helpful to your church there in Lockhaven?
2: Yeah, so we were in the process of planning our second congregation, and we don't want to plant churches by just taking people from other people's churches. I mean, Aaron is an hour away, so I couldn't really steal any sheep from him. They were a little too far, (laughs) Um, but uh, uh, we... We needed some. It was becoming apparent to me that we needed a framework and some guide rails to help us how to make disciples better than we were. Um, There's nothing snazzy about our churches that we start. My my congregation now meets in the Piper Aviation Museum. Uh, They have a community room. Uh, Another church congregation meets at the coffee shop. But they're like it's pretty simple and straightforward. And so we're not we don't attract too many. Christians, it's mostly people who don't know Jesus. And so Amen. we need to, we to figure out ways to to do a good job of that. And so I my natural wiring is I'm not an evangelist. I love to start things, started a lot of things, but um this was yeah. an area that I needed some growth in and some like just a, a roadmap, I think, to make it better. Oh, uh, and then you yeah. asked like, how's it how's it helping so yep. far? Yeah. I would yep, say please. I would say that I'm noticing that we're hearing more stories within our congregation of people naturally inviting their neighbors or at an elders meeting, I'll ask, all right, guys, we're just going to check in. Maybe we'll talk about this later. This is one of our touch points every month. How's this going in your life? And it encourages me because it's not a foreign idea to them and everybody can share like how they're making progress with relationships in their lives. And so those are some of the most encouraging things to me that I've seen take place. Absolutely. I've heard Aaron talk about similar
1: conversations with his elders and that's uh, definitely an encouraging thing. And I know, uh, you know, I've interacted with your other, the pastor of your other congregation, Chad Long uh, at the coffee shop. And I know that he used um, some of the things that you guys learned through the uh, church evangelism cohort to train his, his core team. And so they are focused on that as well. So that's encouraging to watch that happen. So Aaron, um, you know, you guys have been, you and Josh, you know, have put these practices into practice, and now you're actually going to help us. Both of you are going to help us with some other cohorts for other pastors and churches. So, why don't you give us a glimpse of what the cohorts are aiming for?
3: Yeah, so I mean, in some ways, the concept is not difficult. It's it's nice because it's not super heady. Though we do read some books together, and we're processing different dialogue together, and that I find that to be helpful and and good. Um, but some of the main things are they they just call you as a pastor to say, you need to model this, you know, you need to be invested in this. This is not something you're going to delegate to a outreach committee, but then you're also going to look to share your stories in ways that are, uh, that people can relate to, you know, so like there's a really big emphasis from the beginning that it's not about like, hey, I preached this dynamic sermon and these people came to Christ and faith. That's great. We celebrate that. Um, but it's really more about how are you as a leader reaching out to your neighbors? Who are the people on your list that you're praying for? Um, and then and then Josh had alluded to these, um, we call them outreach temperature checks. And so we do this with our staff every month. We do this with our elders every month. And it gives us an opportunity just to say, who are we praying for? What fruit are we seeing? We actually take time to be intentional about that. And we've built all of that into pre-existing meetings. So we didn't create a bunch of new meetings. We didn't create a bunch of new structure. So all of that for me was really, really valuable because none of us is really looking for an extra, you know, half a dozen meetings. Yeah. It's just we don't have time, right? So so we folded this in as a way to say, we're going to make this a part of who we are and a part of what we do. And we've seen some really cool fruit. I'll tell you about that, uh, you know, as we go on. But uh, that, that's that been encouraging to see what God has been stirring in these kind of early phases and i still think we are in early phases for
2: us but it's encouraging yeah if i can jump on that i would just say that i loved that they were so two let's face it two years to do a thing is a long time right a cohort for two years was a bit daunting and they were very honest the leaders of this that said it's going to take that long to create like this is not an easy way to culture takes time to to change yeah and so i can agree with that sentiment and I was also grateful that it wasn't just like a program that they just plopped in our lap, like a binder with five steps to pull <laughs> off a, an outreach event, but it's highly flexible. Like you can just use it and just infuse it into every
0: facet of your church life. So talk a little bit more about that, Josh, in terms yeah. of uh, how these cohorts seek to change the culture of a church congregation. Yeah. I
2: mean, Aaron touched on this idea that you're not creating more teams, like I'm not going to create an outreach team and then delegate that to all them to take care of, but rather you begin to infuse within the very fabric of every area of service within your church, whether it's your kids ministry or your volunteers or your youth ministry, that how do we take these places in our lives where we're discipling people and remind them and equip them to to make disciples as they're going through this. And uh, even your worship team, like, all right, so how does it that we, rather than seeing it as leading the people of God in worship, which is important on Sunday, are we also using words and vocabulary that makes sense to someone who doesn't know Jesus that might be there for the first time? And so it's just, is a beautiful way to kind of change the, the way in which you see the way that you do church from being very inward focused about what's, what's comfortable for me to having an eye on the lost and everything you do. Yeah, I love that. A lot of times
1: the language we use in um, the uh, church evangelism cohorts is the idea of four pillars. Uh, first, the lead pastor, and then he brings along a missional influence leader. Uh, and then they seek to infuse that word you use, Josh, infuse that sure. evangelistic passion into the people that, uh, that lead our key leaders in the church. And then they share it with people out in their ministry. So it's a beautiful thing to see that develop. And I know that you guys have started to see that move forward as well. When we talk about this, is Aaron, um, and I alluded to this earlier, you know, just listening to the stories. Um, I, I can remember one particular cohort meeting when you were just talking about your elders sitting around talking about uh, people they were reaching out to. What's it, what's it been like for you to hear them talk about reaching their lost, uh, we call them Franks, right? Friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, and coworkers. What's it been like to, for you to hear them share those stories?
3: Yeah, it's been it's been a great thing anyway, just when we do our temperature check. So we we our elders meet once a, once a week for prayer. And so what we decided to do in folding this in, and we actually do an online prayer thing just like this. So we just do a we do a gathering, we're praying for the church, praying for each other. So we said, let's take the last um, week of every month, and we'll do an outreach temperature check. So this is just a checking in with each other. And then, you know, these these online meetings are great, you can sub sub uh, group, the the team and stuff like that, and then talk about specific things. So that has already been a blessing just to see that we're doing this together. We're growing together. Each of our guys have people in their life on their Frank list that you mentioned, friends, relatives, acquaintances, et cetera. So that's been good. But for me, I think the specific thing you're referring to, Alan, we were, we were getting ready to do an elder meeting and just, you know, that 10 minutes before people are kind of showing up and checking in with each other and just talking, just nothing scheduled at that point. And it was in that time that our guys, I, I just went overhearing, I'm just a fly on the wall and I'm hearing them talk about like, here's how I'm, you know, we had this conversation with my neighbor and it was really amazing. And that, you know, all of a sudden they're talking about this thing's very much unprompted. And that's when I think I first realized, I think our culture is shifting because mm-hmm. those conversations weren't happening impromptu before And so when all of a sudden they were, I I just kind of sat, I had a smile, you know, and at our next meeting for the cohort, I said, Hey, this felt like a win, you know, because it was like, I'm watching leaders in my church talk very naturally about sharing their faith and they're excited. And the people who are hearing are excited about that as well. And so when that was happening sort of unprompted, it made me feel like the prompting that we've been doing is having that effect of, of the culture is actually shifting here. Um, So that just felt like a win, you know, and I was able to enjoy that and share that with the team. And again, that's the beauty of the cohort is that you can share some of these wins with one another and celebrate the wins together. So it's, you know, you're not on your own and it makes it feel like a, like a, like a real win. So yeah, that was, that was a cool thing.
1: That is definitely a win. And I I would say you, you observe something really good there. I think one of a a good key indicator uh, of culture change is what do people talk about when they don't have to talk about anything? Right, and people
0: talking about reaching their neighbors for Jesus when they didn't have to. That's that's definitely culture change. It is. You got to love it. Yeah, conversations that we want to hear happening. So, Josh, you pastor a smaller church with a big vision. Yes, of planting churches in small towns in North Central Pennsylvania. How has this cohort helped you equip your people for this big vision?
2: (laughs) Uh, We are going to talk about this as a staff. I think this week, if we're going to plant churches then we have to be a church of people who are all about making disciples. It's not something that we pay our pastor to do. Um, it's just the thing that God's people do. So I can tell you a story. Let me tell you this quick story. We had this little girl in our church who her, her mom serves on our staff. And so I think that this trickled down into her life, maybe a little faster than other people in our church, because her, her mom was a part of a lot of these conversations. But there's just this sense that telling our friends about the most important thing to us is a normal thing to do. And so this little girl was riding the bus to school and she began to become friends with her bus driver. And just the thing that she did was she asked her bus driver if, if she would like to come to church with her. And her bus driver was just like, so surprised she said yes. And within a few months gave her life to Jesus and we baptized her. And um, those are just the kinds of things that I'm, those are the stories that get me excited. We didn't have, we didn't rent a big bouncy house and throw a big party for our neighborhood. Not that those things are wrong or bad. They can be really beautiful things. But when those kinds of stories happen, now I know like, whoa, oh, that little girl's going to help me plan a church someday because Amen. she's got it figured oh, out. That's
0: awesome. Wow. About oh my
1: word. I'm almost crying. That is a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. You know, uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed about this, uh, the cohort that we've been in together, you, you guys and seven other pastors is that it's been transferable to churches of all sizes. Like we have churches of 60 to churches of 700. And you guys represent those uh, two and two ends of the spectrum there in a little bit. Uh, right. Because Josh, you're, both of your congregations, there's two of them and you're planting more, but they're on the smaller side, which is part right. of you being nimble. Um, right. Big College Alliance is on the bigger side there. But these things, like you said, it's not just a program. Here's the five steps, but it's transferable. I think I'd like to hear you guys, what's it been like for you to be in a cohort with pastors of different size churches, because normally for training you get grouped into, you know, other groups that have pastor churches the same size. Um, I'll I'll just jump on
3: that and say it's been a it's been a great experience actually because I see things you know Josh has come to our church he has spoken at our church uh, we have very different kind of ministry fields and even probably our I don't know our our day to day stuff may look very different. But there is a commonality, you know, that I think all of us in the cohort have experienced, which is like, we all have a heart. Like we want to see effective outreach. We want to see our churches being fruitful and see the kingdom of God come uh, in our regions. And so, you know, we're praying for that. So to be able to do that together is just a huge, huge win. And so, you know, different size churches intermingling over a common theme of evangelism just feels right, you know, and it it feels like there's a chance for us to help each other. We pray for each other. Uh, I think we even help resource each other in terms of just getting different ideas on the table. So, you know, I'm I'm learning things all the time, and and I think all of the group has had that kind of experience. Even just we we recently did an evaluation of each other's preaching. Like that was kind of it was kind of wild. I mean, it was kind of interesting to think like, okay, you know, I'm looking at somebody else and how they preach, and are they preaching with people in mind that don't yet know Christ? And it was that sort of exercise. Man, that was that was challenging, and and it was really good, and and I learned a lot just from going through that. So, yeah, those sort of things.
2: It's hard to put a price tag on. It's really good. Um, Nathan, I would, I would say, to add to that, Josh. Yeah, sure. All of the pastors in our cohort that represented churches of different sizes, not one of them showed up at this with the idea that they had this well in hand, that right. they were excellent soul winners. And uh, right. and so I think everybody there acknowledged that this was an area of growth that they wanted to get better at. And then it seems like regardless of whether you have a big church or a little church, the way in which we work with people is very similar. You know, we all preach a sermon. We all take care of kids in some way. We all have a greeter to welcome people. And so some of those are on a larger scale and some of those on a smaller scale, but we're all doing the same thing just in different uh, ways. So no, I didn't find the the Yeah, There was no barrier to conversation just because of church size.
0: So this is uh, something that we would like to see uh, spread organically across the uh, Christian Missionary Alliance churches in the U.S.? So what would the two of you say to pastors or leaders who are thinking that being a part of a cohort might be a good thing for their church? I'll, I'll jump
3: in and just say, and I think this is part of how we came into it, you know, again, a little bit of holy desperation. If if you are in a place where you feel like, hey, we've got this figured out and we're doing great in this, uh, and a cohort wouldn't feel like a, a good investment of your time and energy then that's that's fine that's just not the case with most pastors that I talk to so most pastors that I talk to are saying like i said it feels like we've got a lot of potential that we're not yet reaching and it's still the case i mean we still have a lot of growing to do but i would just say you know get a toe in the water the worst thing that you you're going to lose is a little bit of time uh the cost on this thing is really very minimal so for us it was just an element of could we try this and what what would God do through it? And like most good adventures, it takes a little bit of risk and a little bit of energy. It does take some commitment for sure. But as you step out in in faith, I, I don't think anybody on our cohort uh, would say this was a bad investment of time. Uh, I think many of us would say we've got some growing to do still. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think anybody that I've talked to would say this was a bad investment of our time. So I, I just think it's a good, it feels like a good kingdom win and if it scratches an itch uh, and, and you're coming with a little bit of hunger, uh, I think you'll find it to be a really fruitful experience.
2: Yeah. In the lessons, in this the weeks that we studied how to prepare an effective message for people who are outside of God's family, we were taught that we need to address the like the, the barriers that people might have. So we'll take a, a, a play from their toolbox and say, all right, so what are some pastors who are listening to this? Like the, yeah, yeah, but I don't think I can do this. Two years is a long time, or I don't see where I'd fit this in to my life. I would say that most of the stress in our lives generally comes from, at least in ministry for me, dealing within the family of God, like the conflict that emerges or putting out fires. And it seems to me that that happens primarily when God's people's eyes turn inward and we start thinking about ourselves most of the time. And so it could be that the way that Jesus would help to solve some of the own uh challenges in your and and what's costing you the most amount of time is that he would get the eyes of your people off of themselves and onto the harvest field and Woo! suddenly a sense of purpose and mission would overshadow all those little things that are creating conflict within a church and you'll find yourself like more on mission and and less like more having fun in ministry again in a way you hadn't before that's what i would say that maybe this thing isn't an, an addition to what you're doing but rather it'll refocus the efforts of your church and you'll find yourself enjoying ministry in a way you've never done before that's a good word wow if you had a mic you could drop it right now yeah
0: <laughs> Outstanding words, gentlemen. We appreciate Absolutely. The, thank uh, you guys yeah. input. Thanks for jumping into this thing a couple of years ago, and so glad that it's been a positive experience for you. And we appreciate you taking the time today to share this experience with pastors and leaders across the alliance. Absolutely, I'm so thankful Thanks for, for having us. Yeah, it's been a joy. Yeah. Thanks. All right, God bless you and give you a fruitful next several months and years. Amen. Adios, amigos. Thanks, guys. Well, great conversation with our two friends. uh, Alan, you noted in our conversation with them uh, offline that they are both approachable. Mm -hmm. And I added quotable. They had some great uh, quotes in this uh, session. So uh, we're hoping to spread this thing that that you guys have been involved in. And thank you, Alan, for being a leader in that as you step in now as a coach in this process. So maybe this struck a chord with you out there listening, and uh, if it did, we would encourage you to contact your district superintendent and uh, see if maybe there are others in the district with which it struck a chord, and uh, perhaps uh, the district superintendent can contact our office and church ministries and uh, see about uh, starting something new where you are to change the culture of your church So that it is more and more about reaching lost people for Christ. So, uh, Alan, just kind of sum up your heart for this whole thing, if you would. My
1: heart for the whole thing is that most of our churches that are seeing growth aren't seeing growth because a lot of people are coming to know Jesus uh, that didn't know him before. They were outside the church. And, And this actually is a a plan that helps you get traction in that it's a strategy for that and it, it's a strategy that changes culture and you know as aaron alluded to that culture really is strategy for breakfast i know that's an overused maybe uh, very popular quote but it's true you know and it really seeks to work at that and again i love the fact that both big and small churches can do this together uh, it kind of puts them on level ground which is a beautiful thing to witness uh, when you're leading a cohort i love that so much And I'll tell you what, this would be a great episode to share. If it struck a chord with you and you're thinking maybe we could have a cohort from our district, well, then share it with some other pastors that you might think this would be a good little, you know, nugget-sized description of the cohorts that might kind of
0: spark some interest in them as well. Yes, indeed. Thanks for joining us for uh, Season 9, Episode 9. Next time, our last episode of the season, we'll be with Mark Porter. Mm -hmm. Looking forward to that conversation. Yeah, Me too. Church Planner in uh, San Diego, California and a uh, san diego padres fan but everybody has flaws that they yeah, need yeah. to be worked what can out you say they took my one of my favorite players from the red Sox. yeah heartbreaking. I'm so sorry alan well yeah, not I'll really but it. uh it's not an eternal loss we'll look forward to talking to mark and he's reaching people in his community He sure is Fear man can't price. wait for that yeah, story can't wait either join us again please on equipping you podcast uh hope you're enjoying it hope you're telling others we'll see you on episode nine But this was episode nine. We'll see you on episode 10. (laughs) Uh, Say the right things and keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.